Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing well. Christmas is here. Yeah. We are in the season, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. I don't, my week feels really hectic. I don't know about yours. Yes. My, our week <laughs> is of, full of all the Christmas programs. Right. Which I was just talking with Bob a little earlier. I just love Christmas programs. <laughs> it's been fun, but, mm-hmm. but it's busy. Yes. Yeah. The mm-hmm. evenings and days are yep. full. And yep. Christmas um, parties and trying to get all that stuff done. Yeah, so, yes, it's, yes. Yeah, it's great. And I, you know, I, in the past, maybe would have been sentimental about the fact that we have no snow right now. But after mm-hmm. last year, I'm totally good with it. Yeah. Let's keep it away for as long as it'll stay. Mm-hmm. We had a really nice <laughs> dose of snow last year. Yes, so. I had enough last December. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Yes. Are you still out running and all of that? Yeah. This weather have been. It's been nice enough to do that. So that's a bonus too. Right. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. nice. That's good. Well, th- we're going to start this morning, Dr. Evans, by doing a little catch up. We had all a right. question come in actually okay. a couple of weeks ago and we tried to answer it really quickly at the end, but we didn't really give it justice. So right. I want to give this listener <laughs> an opportunity for us to explore their question a little bit more. Uh, so the, the question was when walking on a flat surface the listener feels like they will slip and fall but it doesn't happen on grass Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting sensation it it is an interesting sensation and i'm i have to say i'm a little bit stumped about it okay my how i would make a best guess at this is that there's something going awry with what i would call proprioception or how this person is sensing the ground beneath them with their feet okay um to explain why those two different surfaces feel different to them um i also interpret like they're not slipping and falling they just feel like they might um which can be something that there's some complexity about um, this sort of concern about falling and it probably is multiple reasons especially as people get older so for something like this, you know, they I think the, they asked what specialist should I see? I'd probably just because it's a little bit vague, start with primary care um, just for an assessment. I would wonder about is the sensation in the feet normal or is there numbness or abnormalities in, in, in the sensation in the feet that might explain it? Um, you know, if if there's something actually at the level of the foot, like some of those things might be addressed by a podiatrist, some might be addressed by a neurologist. Um, and then, in I mean, in summary, regardless, when I see patients who have this sort of overwhelming sensation or concern about falling, even if they're mm-hmm. not falling, I do often have them see physical therapy to do things like what we call gait and balance training, meaning like using your brain to kind of overcome some of those difficulties with walking and balance. Um, we can't always fix all of these problems. Like I said, some of them are sort of related to 
complex or more than one neurologic thing going on. Um, but training your brain to a not fall. Mm-hmm. So how do you compensate so that you don't have a fall that's disastrous, but also be sort of gain the confidence to be able to do some activities if it's more of a sort of sensation or worry. So um, I would probably start with primary care provider and consider physical therapy kind of depending on what the findings are. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. This is a good reminder for all of us to just think about to our plan for when things do get icy or yeah. uh, slippery out there or we're navigating through snow and slush. Mm-hmm. What reminders do you have for us, Dr. Evans? Yeah. I mean, so in a in a perfect world, we would never have to go out in those conditions, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we live in a place where sometimes that is not a possibility. I would tell, you know, my patients who are maybe older and more frail and at risk of falling in fractures to do your best to plan, like, who is going to move your snow? Mm-hmm. Maybe it shouldn't be you this year. And if the, you have a neighbor or family member or hire someone to do your snow removal, like, maybe that's safer for some people um, if you're still in a home where you're responsible for snow removal. Um, And then just sort of be mindful, you know, if you can wait to go out until the weather improves a little bit so that, you know, the conditions don't also increase your risk if it's really windy and cold and that kind of thing, you know take that luxury of taking your time um i you know my my grandmother who i adored she died a few years ago um she had she lived independently and i'll never forget one ape we had a terrible april snowstorm this must have been in 2019 i suppose 18 um where we got this big april snowstorm and you know she played bridge and she was gonna go out and make it to her bridge tournament and she wasn't gonna drive someone was picking her up but To make a long story short, she stepped out onto her front stoop, slipped and fell, broke her ankle. And like that was the start of a a couple of years of really difficult health because of surgeries and problems with the surgeries and all this stuff for her. Yes. And, you know, maybe just staying in that day, Mm -hmm. like things could have been different. Mm -hmm. And you can't control for all those things. Um, But sometimes we just have to be victim to the weather and if you're able to stay in when the conditions are that bad just do it right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> wait a day yep yeah yeah great <laughs> advice well let's go to our first break we thank you for listening to pray doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like t- pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. 
Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, in this week's Perspective, you write about the ancient origins of urine testing. Yeah. Tell us more about that. So, um, you know, I love a good medical history story. I feel like I overdo it with my essays on this, but I just think it's so, so fascinating. So... Even in the time of like Hippocrates, so back in ancient Greece, those those old medical texts will talk about urine testing as part of sort of a diagnostic process. Um, but of course, the the tools they had were blunt, and really, it was the physician's own senses. So, um, though that meant things like you know, the appearance of the urine, but also smelling the urine and Laura also tasting the urine at times. So, you know, there are certain things that can make the urine sort of smell and taste sweet. So diabetes would be a classic thing when, when someone has very high blood sugars that spills into the urine. And so there's glucose in the urine and also um, a chemical called ketones, which have a a sweet scent. So that's sort of the, the classic, um, urine finding, but also things like, you know, cloudiness because of blood cells in the urine and things like that. Um, you know, they had very little that they, they didn't have a microscope back in ancient Greece, you know, that mm-hmm. came along much later. Um, and so th- those are kind of the tools, but that's, e- I mean, that's evolved. I also, I would say in my clinic every day, I probably am interpreting at least a couple of urine tests of of one sort or another. So we use the urine a lot um, to help us understand not not only what's going on in like the bladder, but also the kidneys, which can be a reflection of more sort of systemic or body-wide diseases. So... Yeah, so it's amazing. We still use the urine. Mm-hmm. We just updated the technology yes, quite a bit. Yes, but they, I don't they were have... on to something. Right, they were. For sure. Yeah, there, yes. there, are, there are real abnormalities that you can sort of translate what they, how they interpreted the urine into a little bit more detail of how we look at urine today. Right. Yeah. So now in current times, what are you looking for when you ask your patients to provide a Yeah, so it depends a little bit. A lot of the times if we're doing a urinalysis, it might be in the setting of someone having urinary symptoms. So maybe someone coming in with pain when they urinate or seeing blood in the urine or something like that. And in those cases, we do some chemical testing, but also typically we'll look at the urine under the microscope to see if there's any blood cells in there, red blood cells, white blood cells, which can indicate different things um sometimes certain chemicals can give us clues so like like i talked about in diabetes um in in they might use their smell and taste um in ancient greece to interpret that now we have chemical testing for ketones and glucose so we can tell you know in a very quick amount of time if there's those those products in the urine that might indicate something like that um 
if you if you have diabetes, so maybe you even have well-controlled diabetes and you're in for a routine visit with your doctor and you're asked to provide a urine sample. So that's something that we do once a year, at least in people with diabetes, to look for evidence of small amounts of protein spilling in the urine because that is the first sign of kidney disease related to diabetes. And there's things that we can do to sort of slow the progression of that. So there's, there's a few reasons we might look at the urine um, with various chemical tests or under the microscope. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, you know, many women today confirm whether or not they're pregnant with mm-hmm. a simple urine test. Yeah, that's home. another great example. Right? Yep. It's so convenient. Yep. And I think it's pretty accurate. It so is. It's amazing no, those home have. tests are pretty accurate. And it's very similar to the technology that's used if you come into the clinic and do a urine yeah. pregnancy test. So, so yeah, learn a lot mm-hmm. from our urine. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep, those chemicals that sort of spill out of the bloodstream into the urine can help us understand various things in the body. Right, right. So what exactly is urinary incontinence? Okay, so urinary incontinence, this is, you know, of course, as an internist, I tend to see an older population of patients. So I see so much urinary incontinence, very common problem in both men and women. Um, Basically, it's urinating when you don't intend to. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that can happen for a variety of reasons. There's different types of urinary incontinence that we try to classify. Um, You know, the classic one, especially that happens in women, maybe after you've had children or had pregnancies, would be stress incontinence, meaning when you cough or sneeze or jump, you lose a little bit of urine from your bladder. So that's kind of one type of incontinence. A more common type um, as people get older is called urge incontinence, in which um, there's kind of an urgency or you don't get much warning. So mm-hmm. maybe you get the signal, oh, I need to get to the bathroom. But if, if, it, if you're a little ways away from the bathroom, you don't quite have time and you might lose control of the urine before you get there. So that gets common as people get older and can kind of have various causes. Um, in women, a big culprit tends to be just a weaker pelvic floor, which again can be related to previous pregnancies, that kind of thing, and just aging. In men, the prostate is sort of another organ that contributes a lot to urinary incontinence. If the prostate gets enlarged, it sort of squeezes the urethra, which is the tube that goes from the bladder out of the body in a way that doesn't allow you to empty the bladder very well. And so um, that can contribute to incontinence in men as well. So um, there's, a, there's a few players there to try and get at. But usually just by taking a good history in clinic, we can get a pretty good idea of what the issue is and how it might be treated. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the easy fixes, Dr. Evans. Mm-hmm. Are there any, are there any, any easy fixes like, to oh, urinary incontinence? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. I would say, so going back to in, in men as they age that enlarged prostate, mm-hmm. medicines help those people a lot. Okay. Um, so medicines like Tamsulosin or the old brand name would be Flomax. So if, if, if patients are having symptoms that seem to, to go along with enlarged prostate. Usually I'll try that. And I, I would say the big thing that sort of drives most men to say, okay, I'm ready to talk to the doctor and try medication is getting up at night to pee too much. So mm-hmm. that's interrupting sleep if they're getting up three, four times a night. Um, so a lot of people will have significant improvement with medication okay. for that reason. Right. Medication for urge incontinence um, in both women and men is a little more fraught because we don't, 
the the choices we have that are inexpensive old medications have a lot of side effects and mm-hmm. so um, sometimes balancing those risks is not easy and and in some patients I say I don't even think it's worth a try because you're too prone to having side effects because of other medicines you take that kind of thing there are medicines that have less side effects that are available but they're still pretty expensive and new and brand name so we do talk about that in the show um, dr. wood talks a little bit about those medications in the show a little bit tomorrow night um, Um, So medicines are an option. And then depending on what the issue is, surgery is an option for a lot of patients with urinary incontinence, depending on what the issue is. But that would be something that we would refer on to a specialist to assess. Um, And then the other thing that can help in a lot of, especially women, and especially like if there's stress or or mixed incontinence is pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, But that's not an easy, I wouldn't call that an easy fix. No, no, that takes time and and some work. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it is, you know, a very low risk intervention, something that really doesn't have a lot of downside other than the time you got to put into it. Mm -hmm. So it it varies and it kind of depends on what the root of the issue is. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like we have uh, some physical therapists in Brookings, especially, that are really passionate and yes. well trained in mm-hmm. the pelvic floor therapy. Yeah, locally, we have some great mm-hmm. physical therapists who can do pelvic floor physical therapy um, for urinary incontinence, and sometimes it's other issues too that they can help with. Um, so we're very lucky to have that available yeah. right in our clinic. Mm-hmm. Who who would you maybe suggest try uh, the physical therapy? Yeah, Which patients of yours would you refer over? Sure. There? So definitely, patients with stress incontinence can benefit from strengthening those pelvic floor muscles. Um, patients with urgent incontinence can too. And some some of the physical therapy is actually, you know, strengthening the muscles. And some of it is just sort of training that feedback mechanism to the brain of mm. sort of recognizing it earlier, developing strategies to minimize incontinence. So I even tell people, you know, every two hours when you're awake, just go to the bathroom, even though you don't, even if you don't feel like you have to, and that will probably minimize the problems during the day. Um, so, and, and people with more mild to moderate symptoms, um, f- physical therapy can't fix everything, especially if there's an anatomic problem or or major prolapse or anything like that going on. So some of those patients are maybe more appropriate to see the surgeon earlier. Sure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned that it seems like in some cultures, the physical therapy for women is more prevalent right, right right when you have your baby yes right yeah so there are you're right there are some places that that's part of postpartum mm-hmm. education um you know there there's a lot of things we do well here and um some of those preventive things are not what we excel at but we could probably learn from from places even to just sort of you know, not necessarily everyone having to see a physical therapist that might be challenging, but to provide education to do some of those things mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. for women after having babies. You're right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605 692 1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. 
Frostbite can permanently damage the body and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a healthcare provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. So give us a call with your questions at 605 692 1430 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, we had one question come in. Um, this listener is wondering, does the VA still have a DAV van to Sioux Falls? Mm. We had a great show last week, a couple great shows yeah. on the radio. We had a I'm great so show. I'm so glad you guys were able to do that yeah. with some guests. Yeah, talking mm-hmm. all things veterans. It was fantastic. Awesome. Um, and so we had Major Anderson. He's a nurse uh, on, and then we also had Courtney Steffen, who is our Brookings County Veterans Service Coordinator. And so I believe I learned from that radio show that, yes, there is still a van um, Mm -hmm. available, and I think if you call Courtney Steffen, the Veterans Service Coordinator, she can get you the details on how to do that. So, yeah, I'd encourage all veterans and any of us to check out last week's radio show on the podcast or you can also watch the television show that was all things veterans on our Prairie Doc YouTube and Facebook and however you want to find your awesome. Prairie Doc programs. Yeah. So some great resources out there for veterans. So that's that's a great question. Mm-hmm. And then we had another question come in, Dr. Evans. This listener drinks three to four glasses of water a day, but if she increases that at all, she seems to get a bladder infection. What is going on? Yeah, that strikes me as odd or paradoxical even. You know, in in patients who tend to get more urinary tract infections, actually we want to make sure they are drinking enough water. Part of the issue being we want to make sure urine is moving through your system and not sitting in your bladder too long. So actually keeping it dilute and keeping urinating is a good thing for reducing that risk. So so this pattern doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think um, depending on how many how often this person is having infections. If you're having true infections more than three a year, then looking into something more as as opposed to just treating the infections when they come may be worthwhile, either seeing a urologist or something like that. The other thing that I find, and I wonder if this might be the case, is a lot of a lot of women, especially, um, perceive that they have symptoms of infection and they don't have true infection. So we, we can only know that someone has a urinary tract infection by testing the urine for white blood cells and actually sending it to to get a bacterial culture. So I have seen patients who come in and they say, "I'm getting infections," you know, every month or two. But when we actually test the urine, they're not growing bacteria. So they get symptoms of pain with urinating and the sort of classic infection symptoms, but it's for another reason. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's um, vaginal atrophy because of menopause and that kind of thing. And that can be helped by some other treatment. So I think if you're really having issues with frequent urinary symptoms like this, Start again with primary care provider, because I think reviewing the data about whether these are real infections or not is step one. And then, like I said, for some people, if you are having true infections, often enough referral is warranted. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for those questions. If anyone else has a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, that that question was about, you know, drinking some water. Mm -hmm. I understand caffeine can really affect our 
some urinary incontinence issues. How does that work? Why does yeah. caffeine cause problems it sometimes? Probably so caffeine and some other foods and chemicals can be implicated in just sort of having a more irritable bladder. You know, the bladder, it's not just a, a inert bag of urine, right? So there is there is sort of a, a mucosal surface. When I say mucosa, like think of um, the inside of your cheek being one type of mucosa. So there's kind of that smooth surface and then it's surrounded by this big muscle called the detrusor muscle and then a nervous system which is how you sense that your bladder is full and all that stuff so so there's kind of complicated tissues and those of course can be affected by various things in the body and so sometimes there's just some irritability that can occur with certain foods and so some people like I like I said one good example of um a type of problem that feels like recurrent urine infections but isn't actually infections would be interstitial cystitis. That's sort of a you'd see a, a, a bladder mucosa if, if you went up with a camera, which the urologists sometimes do and look at the mucosa that looks sort of irritated and, and can look like it's infected, but it's not because of infected urine. And so that is a condition in which certainly things like caffeine and other foods can be um, can precipitate more symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, there's probably some complexity to it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there any other foods or drinks that we should avoid if we're having issues? Um, I mean, it depends on what the issues are. Okay. I, you know, if, if it's incontinence, definitely caffeine can contribute to. Um, and I would say just kind of what you do later in the day, especially if you're having a lot of nighttime symptoms. So sometimes I'll tell people, you know, it's okay to have a cup of two or coffee, but stop at noon you don't mm-hmm. ha- don't have that after supper cup of coffee or even like if, if people are having a lot of nighttime incontinence or getting up at night to pee like can we be done drinking fluids at 6 or 7 p.m after supper um is that is that a doable thing to try and minimize how much issue you're going to have mm-hmm. again just just trying to troubleshoot that with some behavioral interventions All right. yeah okay mm-hmm. well it's time for us to go to our final break we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast call us now with your questions at 605-692-1430 605-692-1430 we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group Did you know that someone in the United States has a heart attack every 40 seconds? A heart attack happens when a part of the heart muscle doesn't get enough blood. You might hear a heart attack called an MI, or myocardial infarction. The more time that passes without treatment to restore blood flow, the greater the damage to the heart muscle. If you have pain in your chest, call for help. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer your medical questions. Thank you, Dr. Evans, for answering all our questions, and thank you, listeners, for calling in. We have another one that came in. Let's do it. When a person gets ringing in their ears and sometimes not hearing quite as well, does that mean they have a wax buildup or their blood pressure is out of control? Or what might that be, Dr. Evans? Oh, so ringing in the ears or tinnitus is the medical term for that. Um, Unfortunately, the vast majority of time we don't find a reason for it. So that it usually has to do with actually the auditory nerve having a problem, which is deep in the inner ear, something we can't see and and usually not related to anything going on in the external ear. Um, 
I would say probably not related to blood pressure, though, of course, like high blood pressure is common, so you could have both things. If it's just that your hearing's sort of newly impacted, definitely worth having your ears examined because if you have a lot of wax or something, that could be an easy solution to the problem. But that probably wouldn't be the cause of ringing, unfortunately, either. Happens a lot, again, with aging. And generally, again, not a lot we can do to cure or solve it. Um, but some, for some people, it's really bothersome especially if it's sort of loud ringing at night and interfering with sleep and that kind of thing. So um, sometimes it does need help that way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Very good. Dr. Evans, tell us about uh, the television program we yeah. have that'll be aired tomorrow evening. Yeah, so we re had to pre-record this due to some conflicts, but I, it, it was a great show. Um, we got a lot of information packed in there. Um, I have two urologists, actually a husband-wife duo from um, the, the urology group in Sioux Falls, Dr. Lauren Wood and Dr. Joseph tomb and they were awesome so dr wood does a lot of sort of female urologic stuff um and dr tomb does a lot of m more men which you know if you go into a urology office the it's a high percentage of men in the office so we got kind of both um things covered um and they were just really lovely to talk to and very smart experts in their field so right yeah yeah, mm -hmm. it sounds like, and as you mentioned earlier, talk about some different medications yeah. and different options that are out there right. for people. Right, so we, you know, in a recorded show, you know, there's a, sort of a plus minus. We love having the live viewer questions. Mm -hmm. um, it really makes the show flow easily. But in this show, in the absence of viewer questions, we could kind of, in an organized way, talk about, okay, let's talk about what what types of incontinence are there? Mm -hmm. What kind of medications are available? What else besides surgery? And then kind of what what options surgery? And so certainly these folks do a lot of urologic surgery, but also do management um, that's not surgical. So I really, I think we got a really comprehensive overview of what people can expect if they're going to seek care for these things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to watching that mm -hmm. tomorrow night on SDPB television at 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. Well, this is my final show for the year. I'm taking the next couple of weeks off. We're going to spend time with the kids and the for the holidays. So I just want to thank all of our listeners for a great year. And uh, we'll be back beginning in January again to dive into all of our medical questions. And we'll just keep learning together. So thank you, Dr. Evans, for sharing your knowledge with us. I always enjoy coming here and learning. And uh, it's always wonderful to see Bob every week, too. It makes yeah. my week. So thank you, Bob, <laughs> for a great, great year as well. So before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us this Thursday as Prairie Doc host Dr. Kelly Evans-Hollinger will be joined by Dr. Joseph Toom and Dr. Lauren Woodtoom from Urology Specialist in Sioux Falls to talk about issues related to urinary incontinence. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, happy holidays and stay healthy out there, people.